Hi, everybody. This is John here. This is Paul. George. And Ringo. And we're very happy to be on your program once again. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Beatles News Briefs, your home for all the news you need to know and the best views from the Beatle world. I'm your host, Steve Marinucci. Our contributing editor is Candy Leonard, author of the great book Beatleness. And my special guests today are Chip Mattinger and Mark Easter. Uh, Chip and Mark are the co-authors of Eight Arms to Hold You, the pioneering reference about the Beatles' solo years. And Chip is the author of Lennonology about the life and music of John Lennon. We'll talk to them in a little bit. But first, here's the news. In an interview to kick off the latest tour of the all-star band, Ringo Starr told uh, writer Gary Graff in Billboard about the upcoming reissue of the Abbey Road album for its 50th anniversary. He said, I loved all the re-releases because of the remastering, and you can hear the drums, which got dialed down in the old days, Starr says. I got a bit fed up personally with all those like take nine or take three, the odd takes that we didn't put out. But that's part of the box set and you have to do stuff like that. But I've always just listened to the record itself, what we put out in the 60s and or 1970, and it's brighter. It's amazing with Beatle music. We have a billion streams a year now, and every generation still has a listen to us far out. His comments are interesting, and he, he said in the past that he he indicated that he didn't particularly care for putting out outtakes. And there he spells it out again. Um, but at least he realizes that, you know, it's something that the fans want. And I think Paul realizes that too. So that's interesting. He also told Graf about uh, that his new album, which still doesn't have a title and still doesn't have a release date, is just about done he said, I am actually pretty far along. Um, when we'll get an announcement of that um, is anybody's guess. I would assume that with words like that, we'll hear about it pretty soon, though. Meanwhile, Paul McCartney has reissued Linda McCartney's 1998 Wide Prairie album on limited edition white and blue colored vinyl and black vinyl, and also digitally through Amazon and iTunes. So it's available again if you're interested. Doesn't seem that they did a CD this time, which is kind of weird, but oh well. Anyway, in the latest chart news on the latest Billboard 200, dated dated August 3rd, the Beatles' one album is at 58, down from 50. Abbey Road is at 65, down from 60. And the White Album is at 177, down last week from 152. On the Artist 100, the Beatles are number 31, down from 24. And on the vinyl chart, Abbey Road is at number 4, down from number 2. And Sgt. Pepper has re-entered the chart at number 19. On the latest UK official charts, Top 100 album chart, dated August 2nd, the Beatles 1 sits at number 26, down from 23 last week. And 67 to 70 stays the same at number 89, on the vinyl chart, Sgt. Pepper is at 39, down from 21, and Abbey Road is one spot below it at number 40, down from number 33. Stay tuned next for our interview with Chip Maniger and Mark Easter. And we're back. 
Way back in 2000, Chip Mattinger and Mark Easter published Eight Arms to Hold You, a really intense and detailed look at the uh, the life and times of the solo careers of the four Beatles. They've since updated Eight Arms in a newer digital version that they'll talk about in this interview. Chip has also published, since uh, Eight Arms came out, the first part of Lennonology that expands the Lennon section in Eight Arms. And they will discuss both of them in this interview. Take it away. Okay, uh, Steve Marinucci here with Chip Manninger and and Mark Easter, the co-authors of Eight Arms to Hold You. Um, and this is kind of a kind of a I don't know is it a reunion or is it a scoop or because you guys, do you guys get together very often? We see each other couple times a year mark lives about 90 minutes south Mm -hmm. even that yeah i think we see each other more yeah but you know the internet makes the world smaller so uh we we communicate regularly yep okay okay well eight arms to hold you has been a great resource um for many many years um tell me how how it came together guys well uh Probably more interest right now is the, the the remastered version of Eight Arms to Hold You. We've kind of brought it into the 21st century here with uh, an electronic version of the book uh, because the hard copies are, are, are calling triple digits on the web, and we wanted to make it more available to folks. So we uh, had another look at it, fixed some mistakes, and added uh, about 20,000 new words. And uh, took about 20,000 old words out and mm-hmm. uh, have made it available electronically through the website. And uh, the response has been great. Uh, how, when you did the original version of the book, how difficult was it to assemble all that material? Because, I mean, I've talked with, you know, with, uh, with people who've done other books and especially in the, early days of the internet, which that one came out then, um, was it, it was pretty hard, was it not? It was pretty much virgin territory. Yeah. It was the Wild West <laughs> at that point. I mean, nobody had really mm-hmm. accepted anything of that breadth. You know, we were talking a hundred years of recorded history when you look at the, the four of them as individuals. And, uh, you know, I've been collecting since I was a teen. Mark had been collecting since he was in, in knickers and and uh you know we we kind of took our our, our paper recollections and, and notes and with our magazines and all the piles and piles of tapes and discs and uh sorted it all out and basically wrote the book that i wanted that nobody else had written yet yeah because you know any mm-hmm. time the solo beatles careers have been covered before, like, you know, if you have a Paul McCartney bio or Lennon or whatever, uh, you know, you would find those years compacted into 25 pages at the end of the book, and they'd still be going over the same old Beatles stuff time after time. So uh, that was a frustration, to say the least. Did you run into any real roadblocks? Or is that kind of a dumb question? Not really. I mean, there were things that we could cover in greater detail than others just because, you know, we we were able to make some contacts in some places. But, 
for example, we, we had some great contacts at the, the AFM in Los Angeles, and we're able to pull uh, uh, session sheets, whereas since George did all of his recording primarily at home after a point, there, there wasn't a whole heck of a lot for us to work with there. So, um, you know, the only roadblocks were the amount of time. We were both working full-time jobs um, at the time, so this was a night and weekend project for us, and it was, you know, do we do we keep adding and adding and adding to it, or do we wrap it up and put it out and say, here we are to a point? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think, too, we were also trying to figure out how we were going to distribute it because, you know, I think we had some discussion at that time that was actually, you know, a, a book publishing world uh, and, you know, that would have perhaps wanted to publish it in a different version, different format than we wanted to. So we wanted complete control over it. So that right. decision was made early on that we're not going to try to shop this. This will be totally done by us we will do all of the editing and you know all of the the production and the distribution uh which obviously is a lot more work <laughs> oh, i had no idea yeah i mean it's a it's a whole different world but as a result you you have complete control so it's the book right. from top to bottom was did it did you get any help from any of the four principals I mean, remotely, you know, detached or whatever, but I mean, was there any cooperation from anybody? No, we were trying to stay under the radar because of the experiences some other authors had had when they approached Apple and the individual estates. Um, So we we were trying Mm -hmm. to fly low so that we could produce the book we wanted to produce. Uh, That's one reason why we don't have any pictures in that one. We weren't real familiar with with the legalities of all of that. So, you know, we we tried to keep our noses clean. And uh, but to answer your question, no, it it was it was all on our own. Right. And we wanted it to be a critical guide. You know, that's that's another part of the whole thing is that, um, you know, Chip's forte uh, in terms of doing research and, and digging up all this great material. And then my part was uh, far more of the, the, the writing element and, and fleshing it out. So, but we, right from the get-go, we wanted it to be a critical guide. And when you start involving the principles in that, uh, it, it sort of puts you in a mode of not wanting to be as critical <laughs> if you're getting help from the estates or from that, the, that's you know. that, Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, let's go, let's go through kind of each one's career um i'm gonna start with ringo i mean ringo's the one that probably everybody kind of figures you know is the the one that you go you go over with you know get over with quickly i mean how did you it, was it uh, more difficult actually there because of because of ringo's um lack of i don't know uh lack of being out there if you if uh, if you get what I'm saying. Well, one thing that really helped with the Ringo was the fact that a lot of his work was done in the U.S. Right. So we were able to m- make more uh, 
make more of an effort to make contacts here in the States as opposed to a bunch of, of cold calls to the UK at, at three o'clock in the morning. Um, so, so that was helpful because of the amount of work he did here. Um, and we were able to give every project from any of the four of them a decent enough amount of coverage. Um, and Ringo had some really neat stuff, say from the Bocuse of Blues, because we, we got in with the Nashville uh, Federation for Musicians and uh, some of the New York session guys were, were happy to talk with us. And uh, then he did, you know, his everything since 89 with him has been the all-star band. Right. So there were tons of audience tapes to go through, which I will never do again. <laughs> um, but no, we think Ringo got some pretty good coverage. Out of any of them, I think George probably got yeah. the least, just yeah. because of the, the, the behind the gates of Friar Park. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you uh, for that uh, you know getting using what you just said there? Uh, has the McCartney career become so utterly complicated? I mean, look, uh, he just now made Bruce McMouse and and that Professor Longhair album available again right. i mean he seems like he's doing everything he can to um, you know put everything out there that he can before you know before it's too late um it's it's you know it's almost it almost seems like uh, an obsession if, kind of if, if we'd have had that available when we were putting the book together mm-hmm. we certainly would have included it yeah and it right. would have made things a lot easier for us but I've since learned that, you know, maybe necessarily, Paul, everything in your books, just because it says so on paper, doesn't pass the acid test. You know, there are things that I've learned in, in researching the Leninology books and going through all the, all the Lenin sessions, you know, of the whole recording process. And just because there's a, a, a date on a tape or a date on an acid tape doesn't mean exactly right. that's the day when it happened. <laughs> That's right. the day when that physical piece of media was produced. But uh, uh, it, I think it's great that Paul's finally getting this stuff out. Yeah, he, he's, he's dusting things off and, and getting them out maybe a little too late. But, um, you know, it's great to have them. Yeah. Um, what kind of a, a, a future do you see for Ringo and Paul as far as their solo careers go? Um, <laughs> I think it's, you know, it's a live future in, in terms of, you know, the live performances. live performances, you know, that's, that's <laughs> their, you know, that's their future for as long as they can do it. Um, I think, unfortunately, Paul's voice has, you know, just suffered beyond belief. Right. The last five years and, you know, doing three hour shows with no water and, uh, you know, whatever else is going on. It's just it's really butchered his voice, which is just mm-hmm. sad, you know. Um, but what do you think? What do you think of Egypt Station? Uh, you know, I appreciate the fact that he's trying to, you know, do new things and broaden his perspective or whatever. But uh it's it was one of those I listened to it twice and filed it. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of it is because his voice is just gone. He doesn't have the range even close to the range that he had even 
you know, 10, 15 years ago, even albums like Memory Almost Full, you know, it's like, I, I thought it was suffering then, and, and you know, uh, so really, as far as Paul's recorded career goes, for me, it, it ended with Chaos and Creation. I felt like mm. that was that was the last uh, truly brilliant piece of work from someone who just, you know, probably recording-wise should have stopped after that point in terms of being able to have a decent singing voice. And, and the songs just aren't there either anymore. So. Mm. I think and, the yeah. choice of producer has a lot to do with it. Yeah. You know, with Nigel on. on. Yeah, Nigel Godrich, which just, you know, he, he, the reason that Paul can't deal with that record <laughs> now is because it wasn't a particularly pleasant recording experience for him because he wasn't 100% in charge of it. And but, that's the Heather factor. At right, that time right. Too. Sure. So it was sort of a band on the run kind of situation at the time in terms of it was not the best of times. And, as a result, it was, you know, a, a, a great piece of work. His voice was still in top form and uh, it, but yeah, for, so for me, that's, that's where Paul's, you know, recording career kind of ended because everything since then has, has suffered in terms of both the songwriting and, and with his vocal performances. So. Mm-hmm. We, Mark, we, I, go ahead. Go I was going to say, we were just reminiscing the other day that it's now been, 25 years since we had the fortune of meeting Paul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where did you meet? Where did you meet him? It was when Linda was doing her press conferences for her uh, TV dinner line. Okay. So he he was he was traveling along with with her, and uh, she did four press conferences, and we wrangled our way in somehow. Yeah, one here in <laughs> St. Louis. Yep. And that was yep. probably to our benefit because because it was here in St. Louis. Uh, the press coverage was pretty minimal. I'd say there were maybe what 50 people there, yeah. tops. Um, and it was Linda's. Yeah, it was Linda's deal. And, and yeah, yeah. But he he came out and halfway through and did his uh, you know his PR Paul routine and mm-hmm. and then at the end of it he was extremely charming and friendly and said hey does anybody want anything signed and of course we came you know well well in hand <laughs> yep. that. Uh, sure. But it was a great you know. You're always in that mode of do you want to meet the people who you uh, have admired over the years? And that was the perfect way to meet the guy because he was in his PR mode, very warm, very friendly, made personal comments about all the things that we brought to sign. Uh, You know, it was it was intimate, but it was uh, so we we were very fortunate. But, yeah, that was 25 years ago next month that that happened here in St. Louis. Wow. Yeah. But. Time goes by, you know. Mm-hmm. Anthology was in the works oh, at that point, yeah. you know. So, um, so that was uh, a golden time. But anyway, so yeah, here we are at the end of it. But Ringo, you know, who'd have thought Ringo would oh, have my. the best voice of them all? I, I know that you uh, you can't the we, best. <laughs> well, well, I I have to say I'm glad that Paul finally. Let his gray show yes, through. Yes, that yeah. that was for for those of us that. Or have gray hair. I mean, that's yes, that's a, that's a good that's a good thing. Yeah. Good now thing. the bullet. Um, <laughs> really, really. Um, George and uh, there's been little um from the archives of of John and and definitely George. Um, and that especially George, it's kind of a really disappointing that that the Harrison family hasn't done more 
with his stuff. Um, I, I don't know where where to where to go with that question because it's it 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 is such a disappointment. Yeah. And and it doesn't look like there's any encouragement or any move on their part to do anything. And I don't I don't understand that. Do you? Well, I think you know George was the difficult beetle when he was alive, and he is in you know in the afterlife as well because his uh, estate is uh reflecting what he wants to do but yeah that's right. yeah i mean you know he his whole thing uh you know at least in the last major interview he did the one with timothy white in billboard in 99 he sort of it seemed like he was starting to get to a point where he wanted to do archival stuff and he put you know the the getting his his solo catalog in 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 gear and having bonus tracks and then maybe having a box set of unreleased stuff. So he sort of was in that mode at that time. But I think, uh, you know, the subsequent events, the end of that year, and then obviously everything that happened after that, uh, I don't know. I think there was just kind of a souring uh, at that point. And, and yeah, it's, and, you know, his son has his own musical career. Yeah, and so, you know, he's... He's wanting to put that forward, and I think he would be the linchpin to anything being done at right. this point. Uh, right. So, and and there's no market. I mean, I think they actually think that they're still supposed to make a lot of money uh, from archival releases at this point. And the fact of the matter is that that ship has sailed. If they wanted to do that, that ended 10 years ago. So uh, in terms of being able to get actual big time sales from box sets being issued. So I, I think they were disappointed by the sales figures for both the, the dark horse and those Apple boxes. And, uh, you know, kind of were like, well, if people weren't going to buy that, why would they, you know, buy a four CD box set of his stuff that never came out? So it's, it's sad. Yeah. But all things must pass it is 50 next year. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a remix of it. Yeah, of some kind. Now that we've we're down that pike, um, right, right. You know, of of we've we've now seen remixes of the White Album and Sgt. Pepper, and we've seen this Imagine set, and um, you know, it, and these archive releases from Paul. I, yeah, I think that's a fair a fair possibility. And and the the rumor mill has that Abbey Road will be in that in that pile someday. Yeah someday yeah. soon so hard to imagine what they could do you know it's sort of like with the white album when i mean it I, I don't know that they necessarily there was no improvement from that one and i'd have to say the same with abbey road i'd love to hear art you know outtakes and you know in terms of alternate takes and you know rough stuff and then of course uh supposedly or we'll we'll get let it be too uh now finally um and i assume that that will be an album thing too besides the movie yeah, um, it'll be a gigantic project. So yeah, in uh, 2020. Right, right. Um, let's talk a little bit, uh, Chip. Uh, you and I, um, kind of, uh, you were you found that George Harrison document, um, that led to the story that was published this week in Billboard. Um. Let's talk about that. How, how did how did you happen to find that? You you you, you kind of told me how how it happened when we were discussing the story, but go through the details of how that how that happened. Um, well, I was I was cleaning up my hard drive and and 
getting things in in better organized here at home uh, <laughs> and uh, found the, the the George file from the Freedom of Information Act that I uh, submitted on John and I got George's at the same time. This was and uh, I finally decided to take a look through the George's and it's lots of stuff about him not being able to come into the country and in 1970 and and uh, and all the hoops they had to go through there and how the the uh, Sullivan estate didn't want the Beatles to be able to come into to the U.S. because of their drug uh, drug records and really uh, yeah that, that's it, a that's a new one I hadn't I don't I don't recall hearing that before they were they were going to be on the Ed Sullivan show. And I think they were using that as a reason to be able to get John and George into the country. Then they pulled the plug on that. And then the, the Sullivan people rescinded their letters, uh, you know, requesting that they be allowed into the U.S. But Wow. Um, yeah, what was, when, what was that? What year or what? I, my I, memories <laughs> kind of all jumbled. Yeah. I'll pull out the paperwork yeah. and have a look. I, see, I said that was after the breakup? No. Oh, it was before the breakup. No, oh, it was is... to promote Let It Be. Yeah, it was the. Oh, okay. The, remember the the show? Uh, I guess it was in April of '70. The the that they did a Beatles right Sullivan show. Well, they okay. that was what that was for. Oh, so. I see. Okay. And they'd both been busted by that time, so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. But wow. uh, so I'm going through this George file and all this, and then all of a sudden there's this this telex to the White House where George is kind of busting Nixon's chops about getting him thrown out of the country. Um, so there was that document and there was some supporting paperwork talking about how George had gotten into the country at that point and why he wasn't being given permission to stay any longer. And, uh, you know, it was just all, all bundled up with all of these other papers. And I thought it'd be something cool for, for people to see. So I threw it up on the Londonology Facebook page and, and here we are. Right. And yeah. And and I mean, what's interesting was what was the, the, the kicker was the fact that he wrote to Nixon and complained. I mean, that was that's really almost the kind of thing that John did. Well, it is the kind of thing that yeah. John did in England. But he hadn't John never to my knowledge, John never wrote to any. John never uh, did any public writing like that. I mean, he never. He I've never come across any any documents that John's written to the to to a president. I would think his lawyers would have uh, put the kibosh on that. Yeah, they, I'm sure they would. I'm sure they would have. Um, um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm going through because I did I did talk to Leon Wiles um, when his book came out, and um, you know, and it, I mean, basically, I they kept that whole thing to the you know. You're right. They kept, they he he stayed within you know he stayed within a narrow path somewhat to to fight that thing and 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 you know and successfully. But uh, yeah, and and as I mentioned in the article, you know Harrison told Lenin later it was because of Lenin's uh, the what they called the Lenin doctrine that uh, that uh, Harrison was allowed to you know that whole thing uh, was uh, fixed for Harrison so that was um that was uh, really uh, kind of crazy that there was a parallel between the two there 
Mm-hmm. So, so, well, anyway, uh, thank you. Uh, that was great that that uh, that uh, we were to do something with that. I'm glad. I'm glad we were. So, thank you. Are you able? To, are you are you work? Are you guys working on any projects now? I know. Uh, I know. Leninology is in. You're, you've got the first volume, and you're the, where? Where are you with that chip? Um, at this point, the the Leninology project's all on my own, so I'm the one to blame for it not <laughs> coming out. Um, just because there is absolutely so much information, and I, I'm not still not sure of the proper way to present it. Oh, so, really? Yeah, so I've I've been writing and I've been putting things together and 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 have some some proposed formats and once I once I decide on one then it might just be a case of filling in the blanks. But at this point, uh, there's no release date set. Uh, I think the next book will be all about the. Uh, it's either going to be about all the home recordings or all of the recording sessions. Okay. Just because there's such a wealth of material there. Okay. Mark, are you working on anything? Uh, working toward retirement. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not. yeah. Um, yeah I, I'm not really working on, uh, you know, I do a lot of uh, work with, uh, in terms of editing and um, sort of editorial supervision, I guess you could say, for uh, my friend Andrew Sandoval. Ah, I, I know Andrew well. Yes. Yeah. Um, so if you look in any any projects that Andrew works on, whether they're kinks, monkeys, uh, et cetera, et cetera, you'll you'll see my name there under, you know, some sort of, of thanks or editorial supervision like the monkeys Blu-ray box. That was that was something I worked on quite a bit. So whenever Andrew has something going on, he uh, he uses my services in that regard so let me let me ask you a monkey's question then because uh, just a general monkey's question because of the way they have come around and obviously everything that's happened um personally and professionally to them in the last year mm-hmm. i i see some kind of a turning i see I something turning in, in their behalf i hope and i mean by good things i, I I'm, I'm seeing good things for them yeah. I hope I, I hope I'm right because and and one of the things I'm obviously talking about and I, and maybe I'm being really wishful is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame which I think is is so sad that that they're not in there but um but you know the 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 music is their music I think has gotten a lot more respect and I'm talking about the past music I'm not necessarily right. talking about right. the the recent music I think yeah. the music's getting a lot more respect um I think. And it's unfortunate that the recent passing of Peter Tork will will uh, give him a lot more respect because I don't think he was he I think he was overlooked by a lot of people, not necessarily Monkeys fans, but I think by the public. And I think you know I think at some point something's going to happen there. And with and with Michael winding his career down, um, I think. You know, I think something's gonna. I think something's gonna happen. I really, I really hope so for their their sake. Uh, I I say as long as Jan Winter is alive, 
they will not be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> you know, he really not... has a bee in his bonnet about them. He he truly hates them, and it's it's that's that is the main reason why it it's not going to happen in his lifetime. So they, they've I've actually talked to all I've actually talked to all of them at, yeah. you know, at various points. And I, Peter definitely mentioned Jan Winter. I think Michael did too mm-hmm. when, I talked, when I talked to him. I think Mickey had, did too. I, I'm, I'm not remembering certainly, but I'm I, uh, for sure. But I'm pretty certain that they all, did, they all did. And yeah. that, that's really. But he, he doesn't. Does he still have my? Uh, does he still have connection with that? I. Oh sure. He had, he had dropped that, but uh, he's. I mean, he's still on the you know selection and voting. Of course, that's changed a lot in the last few years. That right. you know uh, that process, but I, they'll never or they'll never be on the ballot. <laughs> I mean, uh, but that's just the way it goes. It, you know, we'll see. That's that's such a such a shame. Yeah, such a shame. What um just if, without giving away secrets because I know you you can't I mean what what uh, was the best project of the monkeys that you worked on? Um, I would say the the Blu-ray box was really special. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being able to be a part of that and uh, them going back for the first time to you know the, the <laughs> being able to to get the negatives to go back to the 35 millimeter elements and, and uh, truly do the job they did with that stuff um, and getting, you know, the outtakes and getting it, you know, that was a major box. And I was, I was really thrilled to be a part of that. Did you work on the King set too? The Yeah. Village green. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 That was, that was, and another important set, I think, in my mind, that was the best box set of last year. It was, you know, that that really had some truly amazing the Imagine materials. Box. Well, the Imagine box was cool. But in terms of uh, if you weren't looking at Beatles material, that that kinks. Yeah. Taking all that out. The kinks box, I think, was was truly, you know, Andrew did some amazing work yeah. on that in terms of his what he turned up and the mixing and uh, how it was presented. So, yeah, that was uh, – last year was a pretty banner year for box sets. But, oh, yeah. But that, uh, but that kink set was was particularly good. It, it was. It was. Well – But the um, books have opened a lot of doors to, to work on projects exactly. that aren't necessarily Beatles right. projects. I yeah. mean, we got, the, we got the Family Way reissue out there and mm-hmm. done properly. We, right. You know, the, the, all of the uh, – the Howard Smith interviews are, are out there and from the back to the source elements. Right. And, and Chip worked uh, on the Lennon NYC documentary and the Plastic Ono Band uh, classic albums. You know, Chip worked did you know work on those as well. So that's you know that that none of that would have happened without Eight Arms to Hold You and Lennonology being issued. So when when are we going to see live in New York City? You know, I, I thought they were working on it. I've, yeah, they've 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 been saying. I think Jack Douglas has dropped uh, dropped hints that it, it is being worked on. I hope so. I mean, that uh, I can't believe that that's not out there now. Well, we thought it was going to come out for the 75th John. What would have been John's 75th birthday? But fortunately, Lenonology is what came out. For <laughs> <birthday>. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, no, Yoko <laughs> held back just because she knew she couldn't compete. That's right. And uh, but you know, Jack Douglas had really nothing to do with the original one-to-one concert. The the person that really was involved, who has since passed, was the the film producer Steve Gebhardt, and we talked at length about what was uh, what went into that. And uh, I think he said at one point that they shot so much film that if Jesus Christ had walked into the arena, they wouldn't have been able to capture it. Oh, my God. <laughs> no pun intended. No, exactly. <laughs> anyway, gentlemen, thank you very much. Um, this has been this has been fun. Did I did. Is there anything you wanted to plug or anything you wanted to say before? Uh, we... Just the uh, the the remastered eight arms and the is available electronically and the uh, first volume of Leninology Strange Days Indeed are both available at Leninology.com and uh, I've still got a couple hardbacks left but other than that it's paper for everyone okay all right gentlemen thank you thank you very much for for taking the time and we'll be right back with a look back in history and what's out there in digital streaming. So don't go away. And we're back with a look back in history. On August 2nd, 1963, Sweets for My Sweet by the Searchers hit number one in the UK. On August 3rd, 1963, the Beatles played their final show at the Cavern. On August 3, 1971, Paul McCartney announced his new group, Wings, that would have himself, Denny Lane, Linda McCartney, and Denny Sywell. On August 5, 1966, the Beatles released Revolver in the UK, and then three days later, the album was released in the US. Happy birthday to a couple of members of the Dave Clark Five. August 1st was Denny Payton's birthday, and August 5th was uh, Rick Huxley's birthday. Some of the albums released during this time uh, in history. August 2nd, 1965, Sonny and Cher's Look at Us. August 2nd, 1971, The Mothers of Invention at Fillmore East. And it should be noted that John and Yogo appeared with the Mothers during that gig, though they did not appear on that album. Um, August 3rd, 1969, Creedence Clearwater Revival's Green River album was released. August 5th, 1966, as we just said, the Beatles Revolver album was released in the UK. August 5th, 1967, Pink Floyd's The Piper at the Gates of Dawn was released. August 6th, 1965, The Beatles' Help was released in the UK. And August 7th, 1970, The Moody Blues' A Question of Balance was released. And here's some of what's streaming digitally out there that you can watch. Good Old Frida is on Hulu. Nowhere Boy is on Netflix. The U.S. vs. John Lennon is available free with ads on Vudu, Tubi, and Pluto TV. Eight Days a Week, The Touring Years is on Hulu. Looking for Lennon is on Amazon Prime. Above Us Only Sky is on Netflix. George Harrison, Living in the Material World is on Netflix and free with ads on Tubi. And Lennon Naked is on BritBox. The Last Waltz, with an appearance by Ringo, is on Amazon Prime. And Candy, which also stars Ringo, is free with free with ads on Tubi. 
Strange Fruit, The Beatles on Apple Records is free with ads on Tubi. The Beatles 1 is on Amazon Prime. And Caveman with Ringo and Barbara Bach is free with ads on Vudu. That's it for now. You can catch our shows on fab4radio.com, Beatles-a-rama, and also on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please join our Beatles News and Information group on Facebook for the latest in the Beatles world, and check out our That's What I Want Beatles store page on Facebook, where you can find gift ideas for yourself or your favorite people, and where you can find links for both Candy Leonard's Beatleness book and my Meet a Monkey Davy Jones ebook. And also look for our next show, and please, please, please subscribe, and please rate us on iTunes. It helps promote our get our visibility a little higher and and we would appreciate hearing your comments seeing your comments reading your comments how about that anyway till next time uh we'll be looking for you out there uh this is steve marinucci saying be seeing you that one market fab one thing left to say we'll see you next time